mortgages can be a dry subject. So here's your oasis in the desert. It's the podcast that will get you talking and thinking, or more likely drinking. The Lennon to his McCartney, the Bird to his Ernie. It's the one and only Mortgage Stew and his sidekick Martin at the LM Experience. Welcome to the LM Experience. It's now episode 46. Hi, Martin. Episode 46. Hello, Stu. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. Yeah, jolly good. Right, well, this seemed like a good idea when I thought about it, but I've stuck us in a small room with two estate agents. Okay. Right. So they're this not could, fighting? This, this could go, not yet, this could yeah. go a number of ways. So <laughs> we've we got, we've got Christian By, Byfield from Base Property in Hello. London. Hello there, uh, Christian. And we've got Dan Felds from Felds New Forest. Hello there. Uh, hi, hi, Dan. Who's he, Daniel Neckerwood, Stu. So what, what I thought would be quite a good idea here is if we have a, a London agent, because I don't, I don't think we've had any estate agents on. We've had Mr Marmite himself, Russell Quirk on, mm-hmm. but no one that's actually doing the day job sort of day to day. So I thought, let's have a London agent on. Yep. And we'll have someone out in the sticks because you'll probably have a slightly different market mm. going on there. And I think, uh, Christian, you're also quite more heavily in the letting side. Very letting focus, yeah. yeah. And you've yeah. got a you've got a product coming through which we can talk about and Daniel mainly on the sales side so be good everyone's had a really good start to 2020 so it seems it'd be interesting to see how that sort of plays out across across both your businesses so let's start with the beginning we'll start with christian what's your cv christian how did you get into a state agency oh, well I, I took that tried and trusted uh sort of route of starting as a professional actor how do you know <laughs> um yeah so i i trained for three years as a professional stage actor okay um rider uh mountain view right um, and then did it for about a year and a half and as a profession and absolutely hated really? every living second was it, of it. Was it a jobbing actor? It was, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it was the reality of it. Uh, I was very lucky in that actually, unlike most of the people I trained with, I worked a lot of that 18 months. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, as weird as it sounds, having made that decision to train for three years for it, I hadn't really given much thought as to what the profession would really be like. Mm. So that, that odd jobbing around it, because they were very badly paid roles, yeah. um, was was not great fun. No TV work? Um, uh, no, no. Because, again, I, I trained for stage. Right. So, But, I mean, my, my first role was the lead in Ben Elton's Popcorn, which oh, is a brilliant, okay. brilliant show. In the West End? Amazing part, off West End. All right. Um, and, uh, yeah, dream role. It's um, a good book, Popcorn. It's like a brilliant that. book. Mm. Um, and... But I knew I knew I was in trouble when when we got to the end of the first week of the of the run and I was like bored bored yeah bored and I was like hold on Same brilliant lines. show amazing role um, thank God it wasn't a massive run I think it was like a six or eight week run rather yeah. than a six to twelve month run that a lot mm-hmm. of my friends have got tied into but yeah by the end of week one I was I was already so bored and yeah. I'd just never given thought to what it would be like to do the same yeah. show yeah. Two times a day, very repetitive. Six days a week, yeah, uh, yeah, for yeah. potentially months Sounds on a end. Bit like broken yeah. student, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so just just fell into agency. At the time, I was living in Muswell Hill. I'd sort yeah. of become really disillusioned with acting, and and you know, I'd, I'd professionally trained, so I didn't want to go back to uni. You know, it was it was sort of I wanted to go and find a career where I could make and potentially make an all right yeah. bit of money. Didn't have to go back to uni to do it. And and there was a there was a recruitment company around the corner from where I lived in Muswell Hill and walked mm-hmm. past one day and they had a sign about, you know, trainee negotiators and went in, had a chat. Um, at the time, I didn't have a driving license, so they were like, sorry, we can't help you. But that sort of, yeah. you know, sort of piqued my interest and I just... Mm-hmm. 
went shopping around really mm. and um, found a, a really lovely little estate agent in Islington um, who'd been going about a year, two years. Um, and they were two partners who'd set up the business. They were looking to make their first hire. Um, and we just got on really well, yeah. you know. Because it is and a people industry, isn't it? It is. So it is a person industry. Can, if you can speak to people, you can probably yeah. sell anything, can't you? Yeah. yeah. And they said, look, they said, look, you can probably walk to half of our instructions from yeah. our office. And they said, at the end of the day, look, we'll put you on a CBT course. We'll buy you a scooter. Right. There you go. Perfect. Done and dusted. Nice. And that was it. I just, you know, uh, and and they gave me a choice. They said, we can we can pay you an amazing 10 grand basic <laughs> with 10% commission, or you can have 20% commission only. And I went, 20% commission yeah. only. Yeah. You know, straight from the offset, I was like, no, if we're going to do this, let's yeah. do this. And did you succeed um, from day one? Yeah. Was it good? Yeah, yeah loved it. You know, and I mean, obviously that first month, obviously yeah. a lot of mistakes, yeah. you know. But thereafter, um, took to it really quickly, to the point where after two or three months, they were like, can we have a chat about your, yeah, we're paying your, your salary? And I was like, <laughs> no, we want the scooter back. Yeah. Um, and, then, and, and that evolved into presumably owning your own estate agency, which is yeah. where you are now. Yeah, I mean, I moved very quickly on from that. So I did six months there. Uh, I then moved to another company um, over sort of Canary Wharf Docklands Way, where I met my now business partner um, and worked for a month there. Um but what I learned in that short period of time, and we, I interacted a lot with other agents as well, because we did a lot of what are called split comms, you know, trying to yeah. find stock that other agents mm-hmm. aren't shifting to do deals on. Um, and, and what sort of drove me and my partner to set up was, you know, really at the time, I mean, this has changed quite a bit now, but at the time, Lettings was very much seen as the poor cousin to sales. Yeah. Um, and so Lettings operations were pretty much, you know, they're very, very basic operations, very, very focused on do the deal, move on. Mm-hmm. Um, landlords were at best getting a mediocre service and tenants were getting treated like crap. Yeah. Um, and we just felt there was a there was a better way to do that. And with lettings, you had a much longer relationship. So that's that's yeah. why we were a yeah, bit dumbfounded by that approach. Yeah. If, you know, you, you get a good landlord, you, you can work with that client for the rest yes. of your life, yeah, doing yeah, yeah. multiple deals every year with them. Um, whereas you sell a property, you might only ever sell that property once. Never see them again. Um, so it's a very different, yeah. you know, ethos. Um, and we so, bonded over that. You know. okay. And uh, Dan, what about what about your entry? Did you go to the Central School of Speech and Drama and uh, tread the boards on your way in? Or not quite. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, originally qualified as a as a photographer. Right. Um, that was the route I was probably sort of heading down. Yeah. Um, but obviously grew around, grew up around uh, state agency. Is it your dad's business? That's Is that right. right? Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, so obviously grew up around state agency. Um, but yeah, qualified as a photographer, and then got to the point where it was either going to be. Uh, uni, um, yeah. next step of education, probably leaning towards coming to London because of uh, the media side in, yeah. in photography, um, but decided to knock that on the head, start working weekends um, in a state agency. But what year was this? Uh, that would have been in 2000 and 2008. Right. Is that roughly when you um, set up? Uh, so we started base in 2004. Right. Okay. So not a million miles. So you both, yeah. You, yeah, so you, you kind of, you, you saw the, the boom years, Christian. Yeah, <laughs> and then the, the crash, and yeah, you probably yeah. just missed the crash. Yeah, you, that's it. Or just, just in after, in, yeah. just in after it. Yeah. yeah. So, wh- where are your respective industries now? And what, what, what's the market like down in the New Forest? Uh, um, yeah, it's. I think since uh, since the new year, there's there's a lot more positivity uh, flying about. Um, certainly, there's a lot more applicants, a lot more viewings going on. Yeah. Um, at the moment, from what we've seen, um, they're not quite yet in a position to to do things, but the intent is there. Um, they've they're out looking uh, they're registering Um, it's just they're at that point of just going on the market or or not quite on the market is it a slightly slow you can maybe jump in Stuart agree is it a slightly slower process 
outside of London? Does it take yeah. a little... Because in London, Christian, it's just like people are there, bang, let's do this now. Because you have to. Yeah. But maybe out, out yeah. in your neck of the woods, it's like a bit more slower and... It's, it's very, very measured um, mm. in terms of the... And Dan sees it from the same point of view, I think, as I do about it. Where we're based um, is, it, let's call it an affluent area, it is... And and in that respect, it then means that, for example, um, people do seem to take far more longer to decide what they're going to do next. Yeah. Um, What we tend to find, certainly on the mortgage side of things, is a case of that anybody who is from outside of that new forest area buying into that area, different point of view altogether. They want the deal done. They want it done by a certain date in that respect. And, And so... You, you do tend to get pulled in two different directions sometimes yeah. between the type of client that you're dealing with. Um, and that's sometimes difficult, I think, for, um, say, for example, we're dealing with the buyer. It's difficult for the buyer to understand the seller if the seller's got a different mindset. So that's sometimes there where I think from there's a lot of synergy between what Dan's firm does and what we do in terms of... Um, literally kind of the scope and how we progress things with clients a lot of the time it is very very slow process laborious yeah. process mm. i've got deals now i've been working on for 18 months well i think in sales that's that's the master skill right it's that's that it. it's that people juggling that, yeah. that yeah. trying to understand like you said the different motivations mm. the different sort of um pressure points or whatever mm. you want to yeah. call them yeah. and, and and trying as best to find some I sort of up, middle ground you there. sort of end up becoming a bit of like an amateur psychologist really because you, you start to spot very not sure how amateur is you should be qualified by now yeah. <laughs> but you, you kind of you think to yourself right okay you can kind have of run it in your mind before say before you do a phone call and you've got to talk about a difficult subject whether a deal's fallen apart or whatever or a lender said no you kind of run it through your mind or with your work colleagues as to kind of how you're going to put it across in terms of the, what could be the end result of this conversation? How could it go? Yeah. Um, and in that respect, I think that's where it, it does become a case that you think you think to yourself, right, I've got it in my head, I've got it straight. These are the two reactions I might get or I might yeah. get third. Yeah. How do I, how am I going to deal with these sort of elements? Um, how, but, how are you finding London uh, Christian, I know. You, I know you're primarily letting. So, I mean, we're, you're we're, just a sales side, isn't it? We're, yeah, I mean, we're we're primarily lettings, and I think look, renting in London, there's a reason we picked it. You mm-hmm. know, we we always saw um, renting as a very stable part of the market in London, and it is. The point is whether people can afford to buy or not. People you have to live need somewhere. to live in London, yeah. so. Yeah. A strong or weak sales market, the rental market is there um, pretty consistently, and 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 that's that's borne out, you know. And and the rental market is growing. I think sales sales always has peaks and troughs mm. in London, like most areas. I think um, because of the strong rental market, there's a certain underpinning in the London market, in that I don't don't think London is is open to quite such big bust. Um, you know, loss of equity uh, mm. apart from from the crazy part of the market, yeah. um, where you've got billionaires just, just yeah. you know, trading yeah. chips. currency hedge. Yeah. Um, but in in the general market, you've got that sort of underpinning of the rental market mm. that, that sort of stops anything being too negative. But you know, definitely, you know, I've got a lot of friends who are in very much on the sales side of the business in London. The last two years have been tough, really tough. Mm. Yeah. Um, I think the message I'm hearing now is that. You know the grassroots are there. Yep. It's improving. It's changing, um, and it, it's definitely getting better. Um, a clarity on Brexit, yeah. you know, a clarity on government, etc., is helping. Um, there's no panacea yet. It's it's not. Clear, we need, we need a few done. quarters. 
on top of each other to keep yeah. the momentum down. Precisely. I think there are other pressures in London as well. I mean, Some I've been quite clear about this with clients yeah. the last two or three years. Brexit and the political climate and everything else has, has obviously had an impact on it. But I think London is actually, from a sales perspective is actually entering an entirely new phase you mm. know we've we've had a hundred plus years in london of astronomical growth mm. you know prices values doubling on average every eight years and that was never going to be sustainable mm-hmm. um and we've reached a point now where i think for the majority of london now um when you're talking about just natural um uh, value or equity growth um, outside of you actually adding value to your property by refurbishing mm-hmm. or extending it. Um, I think for most parts of London now, you're looking at a much more sort of restrained and and mm. sort of um, what's the word I'm looking for? Yeah, sort of market you can sort of predict. More yeah, sustainable growth. Exactly. I think, I think, it, yeah. exactly. I think it's going to be more sustainable. You know, you're not going to have these massive wins. You know, mm. I mean, a, a friend of mine bought bought a flat. Um, in Shoreditch, the time we opened, um, he bought. He bought. I mean, just talking about it now makes me laugh. He bought. You know, he bought in a brand new Victorian pub conversion, a two bed, two reception, duplex apartment of about like nine hundred square foot. He bought that for I think two hundred and thirty grand when we opened. He sold it ten years later for just over nine hundred thousand pounds. Didn't do anything. To <laughs> didn't do anything. It. Didn't have to do anything. And then at the same time, had the nerve to moan about gentrification. <laughs> in the neighborhood. And the state yeah. agent selling fees. Now. Yeah. <laughs> so that. that Dan, what about sorry about the um, uh, the new forest market? Who buys in the new forest? What? Because what, uh, Stu said it's an affluent area, isn't it, Stu? Even yeah. though you live there, it's still yeah. an affluent yeah. area. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Just not my village. Certain locations. To be honest with you, a lot of people that once they move into the forest, they don't tend to move out. They stay. Um, they? they stay, and even to just moving within their own towns mm. um, or to neighbouring villages and towns, they they tend to stay in the area. I know as a market in the new forest everyone feels that the market that the buyers come from london yes um that's where the money comes from which to a degree is is true um but like anywhere your buyers can come from all over the place um overseas buyers really um yeah we've seen more of of those second home buyers down in the new forest is there in previous years yes um but obviously with the stamp duty uh, and so on that that has hit that market quite substantially Mm. really it's because one of the the big things that's a bit of a difference down where we are as well is that unless you're actually in the larger town stroke cities like Southamptons and Bournemouths Mm. there are there isn't a lot of new build development going on across the area obviously New Forest is national park anyway they specifically only left out one town out of the national park which is the only one where there's a lot of backfilling when family homes come up, that sort of thing. So there isn't a huge amount of new build developments that come up. Um, and the ones that do, sometimes, for example, I mean, the prices that they go for, there was one which, um, his- hysterically for locals, it used to be a chicken factory years ago. Uh, it's on the seafront in Livingston. Um, but there were properties on there which aren't major prices in London comparisons, but in, in Livingston for a yeah. brand new house going for £1.9 million was well, a big development. Yeah. Mm. Um, they haven't sold too well. No, well <laughs> no. There's no local market to underpin that kind of property price, I'm no. guessing. No, with that, that's the thing, you see, and that's that's where um, some people who might be relocating, for them, it's to them it's still cheap, mm. you know? Yeah. And, and it's just for the local market, there is a very much a 50-50 split between people who are affluent and people who aren't. And I think in that respect, that the, the big gap in the market where we are is probably between... The three fifty to four hundred thousand mark and the five hundred and five hundred and fifty thousand mark. Very few properties come up in that that area. So you've mm. got people either side of that who are comfortable and are going for the bigger properties, or you've got people who are basically not that affluent who 
are basically loving living there because they've always lived there. Yeah. And they, they then survive on that sort of basis. Dan, you mentioned just briefly about stamp duty. Yeah. So there's a budget coming up uh, imminently. What, what are you hoping for? Um, Banning stamp duty completely? (laughs) I mean, it would be nice. (laughs) Um, I know at one point uh, there was a suggestion of of scrapping it up to 500,000, which I think would help massively. Um, I think the whole market would get moving then. Um, It's it's such a big bugbearer for Mm. for buyers um, having to pay that fee. Um, but certainly, I think they need to do something. Yeah. Um, I think, be... I think as Christian alluded, there are problems in the London market, not just Brexit and the economy, uh, uh, politics. Stamp duty has been. There's a lot painful. of pressures. There's a lot of pressures, and and, and stamp duty is a big part of mm. that. You know, stamp mm. duty is a huge expense, and and I know for the rest of the country, you know. A five hundred thousand pound property is a serious bit of property in mm. London. It's, it's almost entry level. Yeah, 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 yeah. You don't get a lot in London for under five hundred k. And so you know that that stamp duty cost is a is a very real mm. impact on the affordability mm. uh, of people trying to get into that. Um, and I know you know when you when you when you talk to people in other regions who, who aren't familiar with the London market, that sounds utterly bonkers. But that is the reality that it is. I think when it comes to budgets, I think I, I, I'd like to think I pretty much speak for the whole. Industry, when I say like, I wish the government would shut up about yeah. anything around stamp duty yeah. until they release the budget. Full stop. Yeah. Well, that, I mean, that, that would be awesome, <laughs> wouldn't it? Um, let's let's have a system like where, where Belgium sort of government went into a lockdown and yes. they actually got more done when improved. they didn't have a sitting party. But, uh, yeah. Have we not lost another housing minister? Did I see something? Uh, there's there's rumours. Yeah, that doesn't uh, help. Oh, no, it's apparently, no. in right. Oh, <sighs> It's a six-month job, isn't it? Housing minister. Was it twenty in twelve years? I thought it was one hundred and fifty-eight. They're averaging, (laughs) they're averaging about eight months a tenure. It doesn't help for establishing uh, momentum for the market, does it? The the trouble is, I think they don't hang around long enough to learn the job. It's a stepping stone role. It's for for way too long. It's been seen as a stepping stone role, Mm. and I I get really angry and passionate about this. Quite frankly, I I think personally, I think um, all the political parties have made such a, a shit show of housing yep. in this mm. country for the last yeah, yeah. 15, 20 Absolutely. years. I think it should be taken away from government. I think it should mm. be depoliticised um, because mm. you've got you know, you've know got parties here in every election throw out all sorts of promises and waivers and all this sorts of stuff mm. uh, which is very much sort of clickbait voting um, promises and pledges, um, very few of which actually gets followed through on um, in terms of um, you know, a lot of the problems we face with housing at the moment, it fundamentally comes down to mm. supply. Um, but your point there, that bearing in mind it's so important to the economy and our general well-being, so the housing important. market, and to not take it seriously with a, a decent ministerial position is yeah. a bit of a joke, isn't it's it? It's a yeah. transient role. I can't think of the last time we had anyone in that role who actually had any genuine knowledge or experience about housing that they brought to the table. Mm. Mm. There doesn't seem to be any bona fide engagement of expertise within that area. Um, yeah, it, it for me, it, all the political parties have had their chance. Like for for us mm. to really have a strong, stable. Uh, or you say like Theresa May, eh? the, the sort of, stable. Oh, oh Christ, don't do that. <laughs> Real bad. Um, so, uh, yeah, but I think I think for us to, to have a housing market that, that is potentially the envy globally, um, we need, you know, we need to take it away from the political party. Yes, it's, it's, it's taken be, away. There's we need less gimmicks. Exactly, yeah. less yeah. gimmicks, more experts. And also, we need to stop hunting for this silver bullet. There is there is no one single solution yeah, gonna fix it, um, that is going to fix the market. Mm. There's been a lot of talk recently about this potential new initiative with 30% discounts and a lot of people wading in on both sides about that. Um, I actually think, look, do it. 
But not just that. Let's have 20, 30, 40 different initiatives, all mm. taking a different approach, all looking at different Current segments of the market. And that's what we need. We yeah. need an array of solutions well, in look, just totally different areas, taking different approaches. And that way, we'll sort of figure out what works. But if we keep trying one thing and putting all our eggs in the basket yeah. and don't even pursue that one thing properly. I mean, you know, Conservatives, what was it, their first home pledge or whatever they did yeah. at the last election? And of the 200,000 homes they pledged to build, they did not build a single one. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, how that how that is not, you know, how well, someone's tr- not being more taken yeah. to task yeah. over that is an it's utter disgrace. Yeah. Yeah. There's yeah. a disconnect, isn't there, between the reality of what they deliver and what they promise. And I think that's the problem. Which um, is totally unlike politicians, to be fair, oh, of course. Yeah. <laughs> Strange. Right, and technology. Let's talk about technology, because <laughs> yeah. I think you've got a product that you're coming to market with, um, Christian, which I've, I've just been following on Twitter, so yeah, that's interesting right. to so, see that come. Yeah, so I, I've, I've, for about 10 years, I've been a big advocate of, you know, at the end of the day, the, the world we live in now with smartphones and everything else, everything digital is is seeping yeah. into everything we do, whether it's, you know, your weekly shop or tracking the mileage in your car or booking your holiday mm. or, you know, catching up with your mates, whatever it is. It's, you know, it's coming into all of that. And, and you know, I've been a big advocate of our of that within our industry and the evolution of that. At the same time, I'm, I'm, I'm a big advocate of, you know, to, to sort of win on mm. that thing. It's not just about tech. Mm-hmm, it's, yeah. it's about empowering the human side of a business with tech, with the right tech mm-hmm. to create a really good consumer experience. So that's that's always been our sort of mantra. And that's that's led to us adopt some really cool pieces of tech within our business over yep. the last few years. I think at last count, we have something like 16 or 17 pieces of different tech we use within our agency at different parts of the journey. Um, but yeah, no, we, we, we decided about three and a half years ago that we really wanted to look at the the really uncontentious part of a tenancy which is the end <laughs> when people leave um and there is that lovely discussion about deductions and mm-hmm. all that sort of process and, yeah yeah and it, it, it look, it's just a, it's just a messy space i think we looked at it and, and first of all there was absolutely no one in that space so critical when you're yeah. building a tech product <laughs> but what what we liked about it was we thought there was something we could deliver for everyone for agents it's a really thankless task 80% of the work you do has no value. It's predominantly chasing or placating people. Mm-hmm. Um, for tenants, there's a lot of regulation to protect them, but most tenants have absolutely no idea what that regulation is, how that works. They don't understand the process. So most tenants, all they're fixated on is when do I get my money back yep. without understanding what steps a landlord or agent needs to go through to do that properly. Mm-hmm. Um and and again for like the deposit scheme, so we've partnered with um, TDS, the Dispute Service, um, which is the only not-for-profit um, deposit scheme in the mm-hmm. UK. Um, and you know, interestingly, talking to them, they had problems as well in terms of their data collection and, and, and issues that that they faced as an operation as well. So it was really exciting for us, you know. There were wins for all sides. What, um, what, what is the name of the product? What, what so is it's it? called the Depository. Yeah. Um, we played with a lot of. <laughs> How much did you pay a marketing team to come up with that? <laughs> Millions. <laughs> I take uh, all credit myself, <laughs> um, and I also pay the price for all the jokes that I've had from yeah. family, friends, and Off colleagues ever since. Yeah. So, and um, this is this is for agents that maybe have got or landlords that, that are in the market. So we're we're not a landlord product yeah, yeah. Uh, at the moment. That that might change at some point in the future. We're, we're for now it's a software product for agents, okay, and okay. and what we do is. Um, you know, it's taken us three years, A, because we've self-funded. Yeah. I'm, I'm a big advocate of, of bootstrapping businesses. I think, you know, it leads to you to build a really honest, lean yeah. product at the start of a start of a journey. Um, 
But uh, yeah, you know, that's been a really tough journey. I mean, we thought this was going to be about a year and we'd be out and we're at three and a half years and, and we're yeah. hopefully launching in the next two weeks. Well, good luck, good um, luck with that. So it's, it's been epic. But um, what do people find out about that? If you, what's your so if you just go to the depository.com, yeah. uh, depository is A-R-Y, not yeah. O-R-Y. Uh, just that's, just what, that's, <laughs> the, that's where the million in the Just to highlight that <laughs> one. <laughs> Very clever. Um, but yeah, lots guys. of information on our website. Or, you know, get in touch, Twitter, Facebook, whatever, reach out. You know. Good stuff, right. That's flown by again, as usual, 25 minutes. Uh, you know the format, top five albums of all time. We're going to start with you, Dan. All right. I know you came in with four, yeah, it was so hopefully in the last 25 you, minutes you've a, come up with a It's a real one. mixed bag. <laughs> that's what we like. I mean, we've got some weird and wonderful ones. Yeah, What's your no. top five, then? What you got? So, uh, we're starting off with um, Kid Coody, um, Man on the Moon, if you've ever heard of him. Have you heard Christian's of Christian's nodding. Christian. Me and yeah, Stu are looking vacantly at each other. No, it's yeah. fine. That's just um, normal. <laughs> next one on the list is Michael Bublé. Oh, uh, yeah. Crazy Love. Nice. Uh, next Gentle. one on the list is Natty, Man Who? Like I. You weren't lying when you said random. I'm feeling no, really old. Right I'm, okay. I'm mixing it all over. Have you heard of these, Christian? Huh? Have you heard of any of these? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Bublé in the mix of those two. Sit some comfortable between the two. I was waiting for the reaction. Next on the list is Kanye West, Late Registration. And another Kanye West one, which is Graduation. How old are you? Sorry? How old are you? Uh, 27. Well, that explains it all then. There you go. <laughs> That's why there was no dire straits on there. No, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> right, Christian, you, Christian, have you got a dire straits on yours? No, no. Abs- right, absolutely what's your top not. Five? What you got? <laughs> um, so mine's pretty random as well. So I've got uh, Defamation of Strickland, Strickland Banks by Plan B. Oh, yeah. Uh, a Kind of Magic by Queen. That's a good yeah. one. Um, Adele 21. Oh, interesting. Um, Every Kingdom by Ben Howard. And quality control by Jurassic Five, so yeah. a little bit of everything yeah. in there. Again, yeah. got to be honest, for me, like music, it just depends what mood I'm in. Well, right? I mean, I, I can find... sit down, and listen to a classical. And album, also nowadays, because yeah. of technology, well, that's and what you I was stream say. it, or you don't listen, you don't buy really buy don't albums buy as album. much, do you? You just no. listen to a song and think, I'll have that. I'll it's download one song that. in a playlist, yeah, um, and you're onto the next on Spotify, or whatever. But and you just mix that up, yeah, yeah. yeah so that, that's why I struggled really. Well, if it helps, you've got the most eclectic choice we've ever had. On the walk up from Waterloo, took down past Reckless Records yeah. I said Dan record shot and Dan went yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's probably why you were late right, listen, listen. Uh, Dan thanks very much for coming in really no, appreciate that thank great you. record choices Christian thanks for coming in good luck with the depository thanks a lot guys um, thanks, uh, thanks uh, stay in touch on social media and Twitter yeah, Stu another episode yep. in the can indeed that was episode 46 of the LM Experience if you'd like to come on in future or nominate somebody who you think might want to take part get in contact with us through our Twitter feed which is at the LM Experience also check out our Twitter feed as well we'll have have links on there to all of the guests that you've been hearing from today. We'll be back soon with more episodes. Brilliant. Thanks, Christian. Thanks Cheers, guys. Cheers, guys. Thanks for listening, and please subscribe and follow us on Twitter. And remember, there ain't no party like a highly regulated mortgage party, and your home may be repossessed if you do not keep up repayments on a mortgage or any other debt secured on it. Yeah.